Thanks for joining us here on the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit us at lightsaniego.com. Hey, Light Church. Uh, my name is Benji. Thank you guys for tuning into this. I hope you guys are well. Uh, this is Palm Sunday. So the, the day where Jesus rides in on the donkey and people shout Hosanna and is the welcoming of their Savior and Messiah. And what they don't realize is that Messiah is himself the sacrificial lamb. And there was a massive turn of events where Jesus ends that week of Passover on the cross and ultimately does not stay in the grave, but resurrects. And so uh, if you have not started thinking about next Sunday for Easter, uh, please, I would just encourage you to, to make time during that, time, during that day uh, to celebrate that God is in fact risen. Take time this Friday uh, with a friend or a family member uh, just to focus on the sacrifice that Jesus made. This, this is what we call Holy Week uh, within the church. And so let's make sure that we just turn our attention and our focus to all that Jesus has done this week. And uh, today we're actually gonna be looking at a story of resurrection, not the resurrection, but a resurrection. Uh, but before we dive into that, I just wanted to share a quick story. Um, my son, Augustine, he's three and a half, he's almost four, has started to realize this concept of time. And he knows that there are certain things he can do after certain amounts of time and that uh, he, has, he knows that certain meals come a certain time. And so he started to play around with the idea. And when we were playing in his room, uh, he found this kind of green plastic toy watch that doesn't work anymore. And he's like, dad, put, you know, put it on me. So I put it on him and as he put on this, uh, this clock, it's broken, uh, he began to start announcing to me at, in five minutes after that that it was time for dessert. And I said, it's not time for dessert. You haven't had dinner yet. You haven't uh, had that. And he says, and he points to his watch and says, no, it's, it's time for dessert. And um, kind of had this little flex of like, hey, listen, you can't tell me what time it is because I have a watch. I'm going to tell you what time I want it to be. Uh, and the reason I tell you that story is I believe our relationship with time has drastically changed. And that has seeped into our understanding of God. Um, I think about uh, really the, the industrial revolution that began to just idolize and value efficiency, that if we can do it faster, make more of it, then that's the best thing for us. And that has not stopped. And with the technology boom in the past 20 years and the, the eve of the smartphone, um, there is very little in our life that if we don't want it right now, isn't available for us right now. And uh, when we think about that, I want us to just pause with our relationship with time, that if we want something, it will be delivered at our door in 48 hours, most likely 24 hours. Um, if we want some food, then we can order it on DoorDash and it's gonna be there. Um, if we wanna go to a coffee shop, we don't wanna wait more than five minutes. So we download the app to pull up, to get the coffee and to show up someplace, hypothetically, not that I do that. But I want us just to think back thousands of years ago when scriptures were written and their relationship with time was much different. 
You woke up with the sun, you went to bed with the sun. Uh, you were waiting on seeds being planted and watered and waiting for seasons to come. Your concept of time was not only slower, but it was significantly more out of your control. You followed time rather than making time work for you. Now, I say that because we are experiencing right now as a culture, really as, as the world, a global shift in time that we can't get everything that we want right now. Um, I think it's interesting that this, this time falls into our Lenten season, that this is where we specifically fast and stop and don't give in to some of our appetites to remember our dependence on God. And so we've been forced into this kind of stopping of our normal rhythms. And the disruption it's caused at a soul level has been really interesting to watch. Because the reality is we were fooled into thinking that time was something that we could twist into control into something that would work for us. And that included how God worked in our life. That we expected God to work in a certain time frame and that, that we were kind of like this little kid walking around with a watch that doesn't really work and pointing to our father and saying, listen, this is how things work now. And I think this is an opportunity for God to readjust our understanding and reorient us around the idea of we wait on him. We trust in him. And this story in John chapter 11 is one that deals with massive amounts of trust when control and time is completely out of people's control. And so as we read this today, my, my hope is that this helps us get our feet back on the ground with the God that we serve and his sovereignty and control and love and compassion and that it's in that space that we find security and rest, not with our false sense of control. So let's read John chapter 11. We're gonna start in verse one. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, and Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. That's gotta be one of the most confusing verses in the Bible, right? Where we're introduced, Lazarus is sick. His, his literal title is like, this is the one you love. And, and scholars would speculate, this may be Jesus's closest friend. We don't see him in the group of the disciples. He's outside of that. He's not kind of have this work relationship. He's just someone Jesus loves to be with. It's a close family that Jesus um, enjoys to be with. There's a deep connection with. And they let him know he's sick to the point of death. And Jesus says, he waits two days. And that verse, every time I read it, stops in our track because you just begin to start asking the question, why? Why? Where are you, God, in the midst of this? And if we're all honest, isn't that the same question we've been asking the past few weeks? Why? Why is this happening? And maybe more importantly, where are you in the midst of this, God? Like, shouldn't, 
the, the timing of this and, and how long it's taking and the, the effects of this and the lives. And we have these massive big questions, which by the way, God is big enough to handle those. You don't need to be afraid of asking those. He'll meet us in that. But I think it's for this moment where we're introduced to this scenario that everyone is scratching their heads. Why is not Jesus living according to the time clock that we are putting in front of him? So let's skip down a few verses uh, to verse 17. It says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed home. If you remember the other story in Luke's uh, gospel in chapter um, 10, 11, there's a story of Mary being at the feet of Jesus, um, Martha being the one who's busy and serving and working. So Mary stays home. Martha goes to see Jesus. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day, which is a common Jewish belief that when God returns, there'll be a resurrection, a physical resurrection that comes. And she, Martha's referring to that. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. Now let's just stop right here. Martha comes up, her brother's been dead now for a total of four days. Um, in Jewish culture, they believe that the soul hovers over the body for the first three days, and the fourth day, the soul is gone. And so in a, in a very Jewish sense, they're saying Lazarus is fully dead. Um, the soul and the body are separate, and he, the only hope that she has is for the final resurrection on that day. And so she comes to Jesus with with the obvious emotions of her brother just dying and his best friend coming late. And she just comes to him and she just calls out, she's like, where were you? If you would have been here, this would have never happened. And, and in that um, cry, Jesus just says, your brother will rise again. And then Martha kind of just says the right answer. I know he'll rise again at the resurrection on the last day. And then Jesus hits her with something. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, I think that's really important because in times where we're wondering about the presence and the activity of God, it's important that sometimes what we need is an eternal perspective. That's what Martha was given. Sometimes God lifts us up and says, hey, do you remember who I am? 
And this is what Jesus is doing. I'm the resurrection and the life. You don't have to wait for something. I'm right here. And for some of you who are watching this, that's exactly what you need to do, is to just turn off your phone, the news feed, whatever is, is kind of clogging and, and altering your emotional state and how you're living. And would you just remember that Jesus Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven, interceding for you, that even though we have troubles in this world, he's overcome the world. We just need a dose of that, of that infinite wisdom that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, that there's nothing, not even time, that can stop his activity. And that's his interaction with, with Martha. Now let's look at his interaction with Mary and let's see kind of a twist that happens here. So after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. This is in verse 28. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up and quickly went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, again, a familiar scene, and said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. The exact same line that Martha says to Jesus. No different, verbatim. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. This, this has to be one of my favorite stories in all the gospels, and, and here's why. Jesus messes with this sense of, man, if you would have been here, if this would have been different, and Jesus shows up to Martha and gives her truth. But when he shows up with Mary, he doesn't give her truth, he gives her presence. He just weeps with her. He says that he's deeply moved. Same question, two different people, two different needs. My guess is Mary didn't need to be reminded about the, the sovereign eternal nature of the resurrected Christ. Mary was just sad. And Jesus deeply moved. And, and for anyone who's watching this, and um, life right now is just awful. Maybe you've been laid off. Maybe a family member's sick. Maybe you've been just racked with anxiety. Maybe, I don't know what this season has caused in you. Maybe um, your plan for a vacation. I know some people even getting married had to be canceled. Whatever that thing is that you're just like, you're wondering about the presence and the relationship. Where is Jesus in this moment? Can I just let you know, maybe you're watching this with your hands folded and saying like, tell me something I don't know. And maybe you don't need to hear something. Maybe what you need to remember is that we serve a God who enters into our pain and weeps with us. Is God on the throne? Sure. Is that helpful for, for you right now? Maybe not. Maybe what you need to realize is not so much an attribute about Jesus, but the fact that he's absolutely with you, not just in, the, in a proximity sense, but in, in an emotional sense. Think about that. Next time you're feeling overwhelmed, would you allow yourself to imagine Jesus there with you feeling that same emotion? 
I mean, isn't there nothing better when you're faced with loss and grief to know that there's someone with you and you're not alone? That's what Jesus is offering right now to, to Mary. I mean, not, no explanation. Where have you laid him? He's deeply moved. And then that famous shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. I, I don't know, I find tremendous comfort in these two different responses because the reality is we need different things at different times from the same Jesus. Verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. The Lord said, Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time there is a bad odor for he has been dead for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I mean, this is, John's gospel has just been building up to this moment, which is a foreshadowing of the ultimate resurrection that's just about to happen. But in this, in this moment, I want you just to imagine people just deep in, in grief, the communities around them, weeping with them. Jesus is still wiping tears from his own eyes, sees the tomb, has the stone rolled away, and, and his prayer is a prayer of thanksgiving. Father, thank you that you hear me. You always hear me. And um, I've been really just thinking uh, a lot about how much when the Bible talks about anxiety and worry, it talks about thankfulness as an antidote to that. And in Jesus in this moment just cries out in thanksgiving for the nearness of his father, that he hears his voice. And then comes this climactic scene where he says, Lazarus, come out. And this mummy-like person that would have been had, I mean, pounds of linen and perfume on him walks out of the tomb. And then I want you to hear this last command that's given. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I think in this time, we're going to be in contact with people who are experiencing loss and uncertainty and fear. And this week, as we approach Holy Week and Passion Week and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we need to be reminded that the resurrection of Jesus is an invitation for us to go about this new resurrection life. Go take off the grave clothes. Go take off and undo the wrong mindsets and the fear and the isolation and the loneliness, um, the, the tangible needs, all of those things that you guys have been engaging in the past few weeks and are continuing to. Would we know that this is the activity of the resurrected Christ? He is calling us towards that. Jesus could have gone and like said, hey, Lazarus, it's me. Let me unwrap you. But he says to them, go, take off the grave clothes. Church, my invitation to you this morning, I think, is the same that Jesus would invite Mary and Martha and those who are weeping is, 
would we be about in this time that our God is a God of resurrection and he has eternal truth for those who need that and for those of us who just need presence, he has that too. But would we go and we be a conduit of both of those reality of the hope and the fortitude we have in Jesus Christ and also the comfort of all comfort that comes through his Holy Spirit, would we be conduits of that to people? And in doing that, would we start taking off the grave clothes that used to wrap us up? And we, would we start living our life to the full? Not because we've chosen to, but because Jesus has made a way. This is who he is. And this is the life he's inviting us into. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. The scripture says that not even death, Lord Jesus, could separate us from your love. God, that no matter what health crisis, economic crisis, no matter what's thrown our way, Lord Jesus, that we have a living hope because it's who you are. God, when you defeated hell and death and the grave and sin, Lord, you defeated it not only with your sacrifice, but with your power to resurrect. And Lord, thank you for the story of Lazarus that lays for us a reminder, Lord Jesus, this is just who you are. This is what you do. Would that truth sink deep into our hearts, Lord God? And for those who have read their Bibles or heard a podcast and they maybe know the truth, but right now they're just feeling alone. Would they sense, Holy Spirit, right now, just a divine touch from you, your presence entering into not only their proximity, but their emotional well-being, grieving with those who are grieving, mourning with those who are mourning, rejoicing with those who are rejoicing. Lord, I pray that we would be your resurrection people that go and take off the grave clothes, Lord Jesus, of those of us who've been brought into life because of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us here on the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit us at lightsandiego.com.